0: Hey, let's talk to the legend, the voice of the Yankees, Michael Kay. He's got a new book out, Center Stage, My Most Fascinating Interviews, A to Z. You can get on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and he joins us now. Michael, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. How you guys doing?
0: Doing good. Hey, I wanted to ask you a quick, uh, and, we'll, and we'll get into the show and we'll get into the book, but I want to ask you a couple of baseball questions. You know, you've been with the Yankees a long time. What's your opinion, the impact, Major League Baseball cracking down on the substance on baseballs uh, for pitchers, and it's, it seems to be the big story right now. Is this going to be having a huge impact on the game, in your opinion?
1: I really think so. I mean, the fact that they would change a rule or decide to enforce a long-held rule in the middle of the season, they wanted to have an impact because what happened in baseball over the first two months, it became sometimes unwatchable. I mean, there's so many strikeouts and walks. There was no action whatsoever. And the reason was that the pitching is just so good. And the sticky stuff allows the pitchers to have this great spin rate and makes the pitches almost unhittable. So they're outlawing anything on the mound other than the rosin bag. And I think that just in the two weeks that they they led up to the fact that they're going to start enforcing it um, next week, uh, it, the bottom line is this. they The pitchers have stopped using this stuff, and you can see they've come back down a level and people start to hit again. So I think they're going to have a big impact. I think it's going to have an impact on pitching. It's going to be interesting to see if it leads to any injuries as well, but... It's a gigantic thing to do right in the middle of the season. It's kind of unprecedented. I don't think they should have done it. I think they should have done it either before the season or after the season. But I think they were desperate to save a season that that was really getting boring.
0: Yeah, I, I want to ask your opinion, too, because I, I've always thought, you know, baseball's a brotherhood. Your former players are now broadcasters, and I was watching the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks a couple days, uh, a couple days ago, and you know Brandon Webb won a Cy Young, a really great pitcher until his shoulder went out. And he was given examples of how the players use it, and there's been different former players who have come out and kind of reveal. It's almost like a magician telling you how they do the trick. Uh, are other players, the pitchers, getting angry that these guys are outing how they did it?
1: You know what? I mean, there, there seems to be division among active players, which is an extraordinarily unusual because yeah. it's probably the most powerful union in the country. So you've got hitters like Charlie Blackman uh, of, the, of the Rockies and Josh Donaldson uh, of the Twins coming out and throwing Garrett Cole under the bus. And then you have other hitters like Pete Alonzo of the Mets saying, I want them to have sticky stuff because that gives them better command. They're not going to hit me with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. And then there are pitchers that don't want to use it, that say it should be outlawed. And then there are pitchers that use it that want to keep it there. And I think that sitting back and, like, giggling like a maniacal professor is probably the owners because if they could, you know, just divide the union even just a little bit, they have a big CBA coming up. At the end of this year, maybe that's an advantage for them.
0: How is Aaron Judge handled uh, this week when he gets accused of cheating by, and I've never heard of the guy, a Major League Baseball analyst, then the guy backtracks. How is Aaron Judge handled this? I mean, someone comes out on social media, accuses you of cheating, then a day later says, well, I had nothing to back it up.
1: Well, I mean, it's unbelievable that he he actually, this, this guy came, and this guy's a respected statistician in baseball, and he laid out all these claims about so many people, and then backtracked it the next day, so it loses all of its validity. So uh, Aaron Judge, you know, I don't even think he was questioned about it because the source of the accusations was kind of sketchy. Yeah,
0: uh, Michael Kay's with us, and you, you know him as voice of the Yankees. And one thing I wanted to tell you is I'm not that maybe people know about your radio show, the Michael K Show. I did sports radio for many years in a bunch of different markets. And what I think is great about you is WFAN, the competitor, has been the you know the iconic station in that city. You start the Michael K Show and you beat them that's pretty amazing of a guy and you've got a great track record of sports but you go into radio and you go into that market and you become number one man that's a great accomplishment
1: thank you so much and i mean uh, i'm humbled by it but it's amazing because the guy that we beat is really a legend yeah mike francesa and he, he had he had ruled new york radio for 30 years and and you know we beat him right before he got retired before he retired and uh I'm sure that, that sticks in his craw just a little bit because he had a nice run going. But, uh, yeah, it's it's weird, though, guys, that, you know, my station is ESPN. So ESPN is looked at as this monolith that can't be beaten. But that's only on TV. Yeah. On radio, we are not that. We're, amazingly enough, a little engine that could. So the ability to be the guy like Francesca was pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, hey, let's talk about the book center stage. Uh, your most fascinating interviews for A to Z, and boy, you've had them all, man. I mean, Larry David, Mike Tyson, Serena Williams, Quentin Tarantino. How much? How many inter? How long did it take you to write this book? Because you have so many interviews on your TV show on the Yes Network, and then you're whittling it down to the best stuff. How long does it take you to get to everything together?
1: Well, the, the the weird part is it started because uh, a couple of years ago, I had vocal cord surgery. So I couldn't work. I couldn't speak. Actually, literally couldn't speak for six weeks. So I, I read a lot. and One of the books I read was Howard Stern Comes Again, which was, you know, he took snippets of his interviews over all the years on radio and kind of compiled them into a book. And I found it interesting. And I said, well, you know what? We've been on the air 20 years. We've done 240 interviews. And most of them have been really high-level A-list guests. And I said... Let's pick the 35 best ones and not just give the interview, but actually, you know, do the backstory. Because I'm always fascinated how these like celebrities or A-list stars treat people that you know are not in front of the camera or not like going to help them. So I always watch people when they come into the studio, how they treat the you know the people that take their coat, the the person that mics them up. So I kind of tell the backstories on all the interviews and also take you from when the interview actually happened and what's happened in their life since then it, it took a while to compile it but i'm i'm kind of proud of it came out on tuesday and you know so far it's doing well
0: you know you've been doing this so long and i don't want to use the term anyone in- intimidate you because i don't think that would be the case at your level of broadcasting but th- was there someone coming into an interview that you just weren't sure what you were going to get
1: yeah I, I guess i would say it was it, w- it was mike tyson you know he showed up two hours late Um, and then when he got there, he was with a couple of his friends and they retreated into the dressing room Uh, and they stayed in the dressing room for an hour and out from under the door, everybody in the entire studio smelled this incredible skunk pot. (laughs) So I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to get. He came out on stage and I'm telling the truth. it, It was the most raw thing that we've ever done. He was crying uncontrollably. He was laughing uh, uproariously. He'd get sad. He'd get happy. I thought I was going to get hit at one point. Everybody that was in the studio audience was like on the edge of their seat. And then I found this out two weeks ago. It's not even in the book. So the show airs on Yes. And at the end of the show, Spike Lee was watching. And he called up Mike Tyson and said, you see what you did on that show? That's a one-man Broadway show. We have to put that on Broadway, and that was the start wow. of Mike Tyson on Broadway, which had a really nice run.
0: Yeah, it was on HBO. It's an amazing, it's an amazing show. If people can uh, have like HBO Max, and it's it's a great show. So that was from your your show, man. That that's amazing. See what's funny is is in the press release I read, like Dennis Quaid tried to give you yes and no, and Dennis Quaid's been on our show a lot, and it's been he's been great with us. But I think it kind of depends on when you catch a guy on a bad day, right?
1: Absolutely. That's a great point. And and to this day, that's an interview. I think it's the worst one we've done, but I I regret it. But I think he was given bad information because when he got to the studio, he was shocked that it was an hour commitment. He thought it was like an eight-minute hit. And uh, it was rough. I've seen him like on late-night shows. He's a great guest. He's funny. But that day, the first two segments, he was giving me yes and no answers. Those are are tough. Commercial break. Oh, they're awful, and I went to a commercial break, and I leaned over, and I said, listen, the show's an hour, whether you give a yes or no answer or not, and I got thousands of questions. You're going to look bad if it's just yes or no answers. And I think he was startled that I said that, and he got a little bit better after that, but it was still a bad interview, but I'll take some responsibility, but I don't understand why he would say his publicist would say it was an eight-minute interview when it was an hour.
0: Wow, so you know, in radio, and, and you know this too. If you tape something, there's some interviews that are just so bad you don't even play. Has there been yeah. anything that you've canceled or not aired where you've done an interview and just said this is so bad I just can't air it?
1: You know what? The, the one that catered on that was Quade, but you know when you do a television interview, you know I, obviously I do the radio show. If, if mm-hmm. it's a bad interview, you know it's you know it was a phone call, but there's so much money involved in getting a crew together, I think like each show costs like forty to fifty thousand dollars to you know put the crew wow. together. I mean, my boss's head would explode if like we couldn't run a show. So you got to do whatever you can to save it. So uh, we've never scratched the show.
0: The uh, legend, the icon, Michael Kay, voice of the uh, Yankees. Center stage is the book. Get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Hey, you know we have Ice Cube on a lot, which is funny for some middle-aged white guys to talk to Ice Cube. Tell us, <laughs> ab- tell us about the Snoop Dogg interview you did.
1: That was so cool. I, you know, you ask, you know, interviews that you don't you know what to expect. I'm not a big hip-hop fan, but uh, obviously Snoop is a huge sports fan. And just to hear his story and you realize why he has such crossover appeal, he gets it. He, he understands what works. He's really, really smart and funny and sharp and all that. And in the book, I tell the story. So we do the interview with Snoop, and then we say goodbye. That's the first time I ever met him. Never met him again after that. Five years later, um, I'm at the Super Bowl. We're doing our show at the Super Bowl for ESPN, and I'm at the ESPN party. And, again, five years later, and Snoop Dogg is at the party, and he's walking by with, like, six of his friends, and I didn't even approach him. And he sees me across the room, and he comes over and drags his guys over and says, See this guy? See this guy? I did the best interview I ever did with this guy for shizzle i did the best <laughs> interview ever and i
0: thought that was the best oh it's great and the book center stage you want everyone to get it michael k you're a treasure man thanks for uh entertaining people throughout the years
1: oh man thank you so much for having me on i really appreciate it
0: all right take care.